This is the Santita Jackson Show. Santita Jackson Show. It is great to be with you today. It is Wednesday, February 8th, 2023. And did you see the State of the Union address last night? You know, it was really interesting. I thought that the president gave an excellent address. We're going to look at what he he said, what went unsaid, what he gave that was needed, and what it is that you need. There were some things that were left off the table, not Medicare and Medicaid, that. But is there a real, real, real effort to launch a war on poverty? So many of you might say, well, I don't know if we really need that, but uh, more and more Americans are finding themselves descending into that stage. So we need to talk about that. We need to talk about that. What about not the middle class, but the working class? Let's talk about that, too. Got a lot that will be on the table, and I want to hear from you at 773 763 9278. 773-763-WCPT. Let's talk about the State of the Union Address. What about behavior of the Republicans? Uh, they had been uh, talked to, if you will, by their speaker, Kevin McCarthy. said, I don't want you to be rude. Be on your best behavior. Be respectful. This is the President of the United States. Let's do, let's behave respectfully. Well, you know, it kind of sounded like Parliament. British Parliament, if anyone watch Questions and Answers, it comes on on Sunday nights on C-SPAN. I love it because, boy, oh, boy, the prime minister has to take incoming fire like you would not believe. Uh, now, they say some of everything. Like, you know, the British, you know, he's, uh, it's, not, it's not the accent. It's just, you know, the sharpness of the wit and just, it's just laser-like. And um, oh, I think that that's, that would be healthier for us, you know, to have this, you know, this facade of everything is all right. It's just it's not true. But you don't want to be disrespectful. And calling the president a liar, as Martin King Green did, and uh, shouting, it's your fault that a child, a young person died of fentanyl while his father is watching the state of the dress. I don't think it's been going over the line. But I want to know what your thoughts are. Call me at 773 763 Carol from New York City, Kenneth. Hi, Grand Rising Chief Angela Burns. Hi, Mom. How you doing, Laura? Hey, sweetie. All my people. Laura, how you doing? Joyce, Daryl, sending you much, much, much love. So I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. Chicago, we're going to have a high of 41 degrees, mostly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 39 degrees, mostly sunny. Yay, in the NBA. Well, LeBron James did it. He is now the NBA's all-time leading scorer. And think, he just might be playing for another two, three, four, five years. I mean, look, if Tom Brady could do it. Come on, you know LeBron can. Oh, my gosh. And big ups to Tom Brady. Because what, what, I mean, can you imagine what it takes mentally, let alone physically, to stay chewed up and stay in that kind of shape as long as these gentlemen have? And the consistency down to the years. Look at the people who he has played with some of the all-time greats there in retirement. 
wow, Tom Brady and LeBron James. But today is for LeBron James, 38,390 points. He was able to uh, set that record, make that record, break that record, if you will, um, in front of the man who had held the record for 40 years, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And they were all emotional. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar thrilled for him. Uh, And, of course, we can never, ever forget Kareem Abdul-Jabbar because he is just great. And when you get to that level, you're just great. Just great. You're just great. Congratulations to you, LeBron James. In in the NBA and elsewhere, of course, the Chicago and Minneapolis teams had a tough time. The Nuggets 146, the Timberwolves 112, and, well, the Grizzlies 104 and the Bulls 89. But better luck next time. In the NHL, the Ducks 3, Chicago 2, and the Wilds We'll be playing the stars tonight. I want you to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. I want you to tell me what you think of the State of the Union address. Did, did it disappoint? Did it make you feel great? Do you feel that your questions were, were answered? Do you appreciate um President Biden's demeanor, because many people are wondering if he has enough stamina to make it through another campaign. And he looked really strong to me. I mean, I don't know why we push old people under the bus. We need them. We need their wisdom. He's been on the Hill, what, 50 years? My goodness, everybody. He delivered his second State of the Union address on Tuesday night, telling Republicans that he wants to work together. You get a lot of talk about bipartisan participation, everybody. Call me at 773-763-9278. Let me know what you think about that. The death toll from this devastating Turkey-Syria earthquake continues to rise. It has surpassed 11 thousand people according to authorities aid agencies and emergency workers say that number will likely increase thousands upon thousands of buildings have been destroyed and as time goes on it seems more and more unlikely that they will find survivors but let's continue to pray everybody for the people of syria and turkey the u.s navy released new photos of the sailors recovering the suspected chinese spy balloon that u.s fighter jets shot down over the Atlantic Ocean on Saturday. The recovered debris from the balloon is being taken to an FBI laboratory in Virginia. The Biden administration told the Supreme Court Tuesday that Title 42 will end in May. That's the Trump administration policy that they continued when the COVID public health emergency expires on May 11th. Title 42, Trump-era public health authority uh, that allows border officials to turn away migrants encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border, but not the U.S.-Canada border. Ooh, Pastor Vicki Johnson, that just sounds a little interesting to me. Not Canada. They have the most visa overstays of any country in, in a, you know, in, who come to the United States now. It's not people from South and Central America. It's not people from Africa. It's our brothers and sisters to the North. Mm. I just thought it would be interesting to give you that little factoid. Pastor <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Johnson, well, you know, I mean, I just think it's interesting because if you go, if you want to hold the line on the border, uh, catch the Canadians. <laughs> oh, <go>. my God. <laughs> I just, you can't make up, y'all. You can't. That's my video screen. Please, I'm so tired, y'all. Messing with me. So, Pastor Vicki Johnson, you have been away. I know you are tan er and more fabulous er, and I hope you got some rest while you're one way. 
I certainly did, Santita. I am not tanner, but I am more vested. (laughs) Good morning, Santita, and good morning to all of your morning stars and friends. There is good news. It's good to be back. Back in the 20th century, you might often hear people say, take care of yourself as they parted company. It wasn't due to any illnesses that they were experiencing or other concerns of life. It was just something spoken off the cuff. Later, you might have heard those same people say, be good to yourself. Upon hearing the words, more people began getting manicures and pedicures and even splurging on massages. In retrospect, we call that self-care. Self-care is something that is really encouraged for people in professions that are focused on the care of others, like first responders, doctors, nurses, ministers, therapists, home health care workers, veterinarians, all who can easily experience compassion fatigue, resulting in anger, depression, feelings of failure, exhaustion, headaches, less joy, and lack of sleep. But everyone deserves self-care, which also includes saying no when necessary, and not feeling guilty about it. It is finding quiet time without the intrusion of outside noise, taking yourself to lunch, enjoying a movie or your favorite sitcom. It is seeing your health care provider as required. Self-care is finding and seeing a mental health provider to share your thoughts and feelings, not just your physician, not just your spiritual leader, but someone trained in that field. Self-care matters. It is up to you to make sure that it happens for you. No one else can care for you quite like you can. You must do it for yourself. And when you get really good at it, some may think that you are being selfish. Well, listen, self-care is not selfish. Let me say that again. Self-care is not selfish. Don't let anyone shame you because you are looking out for you. Take care of yourself. (laughs) Be good to yourself. If you will do this, and I believe that you will, then to me, that's Good news. Amen to that. Amen to that. You know, 
I'll say this as very quickly as we bring on Dr. Shanina Knighton. I was with, um, I'm getting some clothes altered because many of you have noticed when you look at the screen that I've lost some weight. Um, this year I've lost about 40 pounds. A 40 in addition to the nearly 200 I'd lost before. So I've lost in the range of like 230 pounds. And uh, great Scott, who's this wonderful, um, wonderful technician. She is really a designer, but I mean, she is like a, just a tremendous, you know, no one can put together an article of clothing like she can. I mean, she really is incredible. She brought my measurements to me, um, Pastor Johnson and Dr. Uh, Knighton. And we saw that I'd lost about 26 inches around my bust, 20 inches around my waist, and nearly 30 around my hips. Mm. And it was only when I decided to say no, you know, because I was overextended, you know, I, you know, because honestly, I put everybody ahead of me. I never made it on my own list for a whole lot of reasons, you know, I wanted, and, you know, and I knew that when I had this surgery, I said, you know, at least, because even my thinking then was a little different. I said, well, at least my parents, they're okay. My brothers, my sister, they're, they're doing well. And, you know, because I'm the eldest child. So I'm like, if you know, if I've, you know, taken the hit like Venus did for Serena, I'm good with it. You know, no matter what happens, if I don't come out of this, I'm all right. But I can tell you, it's not okay not to take care of yourself. And my friend said, it's not selfish, it's selfness. Become aware of yourself. And take good care of yourself. So I just want you to know how much your message resonated with me today. Yes, yes. Which, you know, how, do, how can we worship with you on Sundays? Well, on Sundays, we worship at St. Thomas Lutheran Church at 8000 South Jeffrey Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois. Jeffrey, everybody. That's right. 80th and Jeffrey at 1130 a.m. Come and join us for an hour of power. Facebook, we can get you how? Oh, you can get us on Facebook, yes. At uh, St. Thomas Lutheran Church, Chicago. You will be blessed. Uh, Pastor Vicki Johnson, I love her, love her, love her. And, you know, and Dr. Shanina Knighton, my tale about my, well, not my tale, you know, my testimony about about my weight loss journey, which was really also mental and emotional and spiritual as well as physical. Um, you posted, of course, her handle is Hey Dr. Nina. Hey Dr. Nina. She always talks to us about uh really the dangers of processed sugar. Can you speak to us about that? Because many people don't know that even with this surgery, if I don't eat a particular way, if I eat sugar, that that hurts me. Processed sugar is just not, it's not the way to go. Not only does it stop weight loss, it just makes you unhealthy, less healthy. Talk to me about the, you know, the, the dangers of sugar. Dr. Atkins got into a lot of trouble with that about 50, 60 years ago, but now he's being proved correct. Exactly. And to your point, that's the thing. We do not think about um, the impact of sugar in our body. Meaning, I just want to briefly talk about where sugar is allowed in the body. 
So we have sugar near our spinal cord, which goes up to our brain. Okay, so on that track from our brain to our spinal cord, there's sugar along that track, and that's acceptable, right? However, the problem is, is is the sugar good for, like, let's say your gut? Is it good for your liver? Is it good for other areas of your body? And unfortunately, the answer is no. Sugar, unfortunately, has a capability to be able to turn into fat in the body. When it turns into fat, that fat then increases your risk for cholesterol. It can then, you know, um, cause organs to have, like, fat around them. Uh, We know sugar or, you know, an abundance of sugar, the negative effects, is linked to Alzheimer's disease. We know that sugar is almost like a drug, meaning that it is very addictive. And so Mm -hmm. it can make you depressed. Um, It, like, disables, like, appetite control because it's such a stimulant within the body that it does have those addictive properties in it. Which is why even our body, when our body is at its thickest, it's all, it's in a way it craves sugar. And when you crave sugar, it's making the body even more sick. It's not to say like, oh, our body should be salty. But when we think about, let's say the tears that we cry, right? Like, have anybody ever tasted their tears and they taste a little bit salty? Mm-hmm. Like, I hate to say it, but if your nose been running and you ended up sneezing it again, everything is salty. And that right there just within itself tells us what our body's normal state is at. So when you put sugar inside of your body, our body is made of chlorine, too. Sugar is a complicated compound, whereas water, H2O, where we have you know, oxygen in our body. We have all of these simple compounds, but sugar is this complicated compound that when it is defined and when it is genetically modified, it continues to have a hard time to break down within the body and tends to interrupt our already set cycles within the body. So when we know that our body has this normal state and we're putting in these complex, okay, carbs, instead of ones that are simple, such as the ones we get inside of our fruits and we would get inside of our veggies that would be able to help us, it tends to harm our body because it's not broken down enough. And that process of it being broken down is a problem. Sentita, I also want to say that nine times out of ten, when you see sugar coming something, sugar's not by itself. It's coming with some other preservatives and some other additives. And nine times out of ten, those other additives and those other things that are added to it has negative effects on the body. And know it's not to bash any particular brand or anything like that. It's being aware that the ingredients, the fight for the ingredients to be on the back of a label was a political fight. Now that the ingredients are on the back of the label, it is our job as consumers to look up what are the side effects of. When they say you are what you eat, that is a real thing. So it's important that if you see something on there that you cannot pronounce, you can you can type it in, though. So you can type in what are the side effects of dimethylpolysiloxane, even if you can't pronounce it, right, because you know how to spell it. It's important to know what you're consuming. It's important to know what the side effects are because some of these side effects of some of these preservatives and additives end up being the root cause of some of the health issues that we have. 
Hmm. You know what? Thank you for that. Because, you know, I recall almost 20 years ago when the World Health Organization launched the War on Obesity, their chief foe, the group that fought them the hardest was the American Sugar Lobby. I'll never, ever forget that. And all the untruths, the lies that they told about the Atkins program, which everybody is now doing some doing in some form or another. That's what keto, keto is a phase. The Atkins program really has four different stages. I know because I was his patient in New York, lost a lot of weight with him, and he completely changed the way that I live, and I thank God for him too. And I thank God for you, Dr. Shanina Knight, and hey, Dr. Nina, H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A, to your health, everybody. Let's talk about the State of the Union address. What did you think of it? What did you think of it? What did you think of it? Call me, call me, call me, 773-763-9278. Board up, take me away. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. We this is the Santita Jackson Show. everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Central Standard Time. I want to know what your thoughts are about the State of the Union Address. Did you agree with it? I mean, there are a lot of things. There was a lot of good stuff in it and a lot of things that the president um, is doing. They're working. And of course, we need the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We need voting rights coverage. We need all of these things, right? Um And so I want to know what your thoughts are. What are your takeaways from this address? You had Tyree Nichols' parents there. Um, So gracious. But do we really want to see that happen anymore? I mean, really? Uh, And I appreciated the president's boldness, really daring the, the Republicans to come aboard. Do you support Medicare or Medicaid? Yes or no? Up or down? Bottom line. If the program is about to become insolvent, then put money in it. You put it in Ukraine. You put it in the Pentagon. You always find money for war, but you can't find money for peace and people. What are we doing? So let's talk about this, everybody. Let's talk about this. And, you know, even the people you like, and I like the president very much, you've got to push them. You must push them because pushing them means you're advocating for yourself. So we have got a tremendous panel who can talk with us about this Today, we have got, of course, we missed Attorney Erin Connolly. I don't know where she is. She might have gone to Washington. We know our oh, our girl, Congresswoman Delia Ramirez, gave a fantastic um, speech last night. We're going to talk about that in a, in a minute, uh, the response to, um, to the address. And she made a brilliant case for working-class people. We don't talk about working class people. We stay on the middle class, but working class people, really the working poor, the people from whom she and we are descended. So let's talk about that. And then, of course, Reverend Jeanette Wilson from Rainbow Push. Remind you, on on Saturday at the New Beginning Church, Pastor Corey Brooks Church, the rooftop pastor, between 66th and 67th on Cottage Grove. That's where that magnificent church is. We will be there at 10 o'clock on Saturday having a people's forum, the Rainbow Push People's Forum, with all of the mayoral candidates. We want you to be there at 10 a.m. Get there just before 10 because we will be starting at 10 a.m. promptly. 
Call me at 773-763-9278. I want to know what your thoughts are. But our special guest, who's now family on the show, Keedron Franklin from Black Men Built, professional organizer in Memphis, Tennessee. Indeed, he is part of this cadre of organizers and activists who have been combing the tapes, finding out who was involved in Kyrie Nichols' death. And thank goodness for them, because we have found out so much, but we're finding out a lot of things. And, of course, Kyrie Nichols' parents were at the State of the Union address last night. And I want to ask you, because, you know, not just Tyree Nichols and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, but just overall, because you advocate for mental health, for economic justice, um, and so many things through black men build in the work that you're doing. Um, Tyree Nichols is one issue right now, but you advocate for a lot of them. Let's start with Tyree and and police reform, and just overall your impressions of the State of the Union speech. Kedron Franklin. Yes, good morning, good morning. Yes, I uh, have, have, have well become a part of the family, <laughs> and I appreciate it. <laughs> you so, know, were you impressed with the speech, or, I, or I mean, uh, what do you think? I, uh, the speech, the speech was uh, it, it did what it did, right? It told it the line, <clears throat> uh, and I have to I have to give applause uh, applause to the president for toting the line in um in a way that that still shows a little backbone, right? Like you know he don't have to make a vulgarious threat, so you know he don't have to push the republicans, and, and he's doing it charmingly, right? <clears throat> Um, and so I do have to give him credit for that being able to at least, like I said, have have backbone to challenge the the Republican Party um, in a more wholesome way, right? Nothing, not, nothing uh, out of the ordinary. What I would like to, it's just a, like I said, three takeaways that I that I did here, and I and I could truthfully, honestly, respect him for. It. So I'm a union man. I, I organize uh, unions also. Um, <clears throat> some years ago for SEIU, the Service Employment Industry Union, right? We're working directly with working class, law, working class people, right? Poor working class people, right? And uh, and so I, 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 I really, like I said, I got the bubble guts when I heard them say, you know, speak about unions and, and, and uh, the PRO Act, right? Because, uh, again, you have these corporations who CEO make, makes, Thirty thousand dollars an hour, and and I'm struggling to barely make thirty thousand dollars a year, right? <clears throat> so, um, so yeah, we need those unions in place to help uh, ensure that the people who are creating the products, packaging the products, shipping the products, also pay you know fairly and well, uh, just as much as the person who face is on the product, right? Who face is pushing the sales, or the face is pushing the business. And so I, I can really appreciate him for that. Uh, I also can appreciate him for like this Medicare piece, right? Big Pharma, challenging Big Pharma. Uh, you really help because because that's a that's a you know a large industry that <clears throat> that like I said impacts a lot of Americans. Uh, and, and so to see him speak on you know taxing and taxation of uh, the capitalists, right? The rich, and then also putting a cap on Big Pharma and the way they can produce. Like the insulin on my father's side of the uh, family, my paternal side, you know, 
shoot, just about everyone had diabetes except for myself, right? Uh, my my mm-hmm. paternal grandmother passed from complications due to diabetes, right? And so, again, things like that impact a lot. If if my family, you know, didn't have to spend so much for for treatment, maybe there could have been some extra, like, physical therapy money or, you know, so, so where I can get out and let me just take a trip and, 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 and clear my mind and I'm not stressing so much about this health issue, right? So I, I, can, I can really appreciate that, but it also made me think about if y'all can cap it off down, to, you know, to $15, you know, and about y'all can pretty much pay for that, right? So let's think more and, and finish the job and, and think more about, like, free Medicare for all, right? Um, so, yeah, it, just, it brought up a, a lot of things. Then thinking about the Tyree Nichols or uh, the George Floyd Act and, and pieces that they want to put in for, like, that evolved around, like, Tyree Nichols, right? Um, it's cool to, to stop the chokeholds, the strangleholds, uh, and also judge that uh, too many cops are coming into contact with citizens too frequently. Uh, and so uh, there, there's something that we've been working on in Tennessee, uh, pushing around, like, how the for-profit and trucking uh, act <clears throat> law is it, also being u- utilized for, like, our, our personal and private use, the way I can use my utilize my private vehicle, my, my personal vehicle to do personal things. And so it's causing cops to uh, presumptuously, you know, pull us over and, and, and try to create a criminal investigation, uh, uh, based off something that, that could have been a ticket, right? So, so I'd love to see more strength in like figuring out how do how do you know we keep law enforcement off of our citizens so much. Uh, so just a, just a free thing. Hmm. Keegan Franklin, everybody. Black men build. Black men build. Indeed, he's one of the organizers who's really helped us to who's helped to keep to expose and keep the Tyree Nichols story alive so that we can have justice in policing, everybody. I'll call us at 773-763-9278. We have got you, Aaron Connolly. Before I get to you, Pastor Wilson, um, Aaron Connolly, I know when he mentioned diabetes um, and police reform and, 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 we still don't have uh, voting rights, you know, coverage. But I know when you mentioned this issue of health care um, and when the, and the president talked about capping the cost of insulin, uh, what was your reaction to that? Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning, Santita, and thank you for having me on the show. I've missed being on with you in the morning. Um, and I was so heartened to hear a call out about insulin costs by the President of the United States at the State of the Union Address. And one of the, I think, really key starting points in the speech when he talked about what what they've done and what they need to do more of, right? And he started started this uh, theme of the evening by basically saying, you know, we need we need to to finish what we started. And Democrats did start by capping insulin costs for seniors over the age of 65 at $35 a month. The other piece that I thought was exceptional and significant in the sense that he directly called out Big Pharma in this portion of the speech, and he got explicit about how much insulin costs, which is the sixth most expensive liquid in the world. It costs about $10 to make, and they charge upwards of $300 to $500 per vial unit of insulin for folks that need it to live every day. 
Now, that was significant because he's he's explicitly stating what these corporate pharma profits are for everyone that is listening to the State of the Union. And not everybody hears that portion of it, right? They think, oh, insulin, it is expensive. They People should have to pay for it. It's a medication they need. I have to pay for my heart medicine, for example. But this nuance portion by the president, I know, spoke to every diabetic and people who love the diabetics in their life or people with diabetes. And um, I think it brings great hope for for a movement, a healthcare movement, a prescription drug movement that felt a little left behind in some of the last parts of those negotiations. The fact that this is a priority for the president, that he talked explicitly about capping all co-pays for young people, for, uh, I hope, folks that are not on insurance, which we know is a big gap of folks who unfortunately have to ration their insulin and end up dying from not having enough medication. But those types of real money-based conversations, when we're looking at the budgets of not only our union, but of everyday Americans, and the president was able to hone in on a few key pieces and say, I hear you. We're doing better, but I know we're not done. I see that you see we're not done. And I'm not saying we are, but I'm right here with you. And that was, I think, uh, a positive moment. It was a rallying cry. It was a reality check where the president didn't come in and say we've solved everything. And sometimes these speeches feel like that. But he said, I see you. I see the struggle. And I know we haven't fixed everything. And that meant a lot too. that accountability piece. Hmm. Reverend Jeanette Wilson, before I get to the callers, I mean, your thoughts about what you saw last night. I mean, police reform is uppermost in our minds, of course, uh, because of Tyree Nichols. But, you know, we're looking at that and crime and the economy. We're looking at all the American issues as we're about to run into this mayoral race on February 28th and perhaps a runoff on April 4th. But what did you think of what you saw and what you heard last night? Well, I think it was a well-choreographed message to a uh, disunited Congress. This Congress is the most, uh, it's similar to the Congress that Abraham Lincoln uh, had when he was president and and had to figure out how he could preserve the Union. So I thought that uh, was a well-crafted speech. It touched uh, a lot of the bases. I don't think he promised to do anything. He he gave us the hope that you know we gotta we have to finish what we started, and the question is what are you gonna do because you have a United States House of Representatives that is controlled by a body of people that are not with you, and that was evident by the heckling and the uh, the comments, which was extremely uh, unprofessional. I thought he handled it well. He did not respond negatively to those. Uh, Republicans who were yelling in the well of the Congress. However, I think the point now is he hit all the topics. He had visible faces that he could uh, talk about in the audience that put a face on what he was talking about, whether it was health care, violence, a woman's right to choose. I mean, he talked about labor. He hit all of the the things that, and even education in some very broad stroke. I think that now he has to do what Lyndon Baines Johnson did, sit down and by executive order initiate 
some action. He's not going to get legislation initially through that Congress. He knows that just do an executive order as it relates to voting rights, as it relates to every one of those elements, the the, uh, uh, charging for the uh, health, the uh, prescription drug costs, the Medicare, Medicaid. Johnson did 10 powerful things by executive order that really uh, Medicare, Medicaid, and you know all of the different things, the Title I issues. He launched a campaign to provide for Americans the, the things that they needed. And Biden has to stop talking and do that. We have to push him to do that. And so I think he was he's a statesman. He's clearly comfortable uh, speaking to uh, both houses. He uh, he had he had he displayed strength and yet compassion when he spoke to Tyrese's parents. And each time, you know, you could feel you could feel his heart. Now I want to feel his action. And I think that that's what we have to concentrate on. You're trained to give great speeches. The question is, will you be a great leader by action? People will know what you stand for by based on what you do. And that's what we have to push for, executive orders. Remember the Emancipation Proclamation, executive order. Medicare, Medicaid, initially executive orders until you can move to get legislation to sustain it. But at least during his term of office, we will be able to see voting rights. We will be able to see federally protected uh, policing controls. There's so much he can do. He has the power of the pen. He needs to use it. He needs to use it. I mean, because that is the way that this works, everybody. It is it's as simple as that. He has that power. He has that power, and he should use it. He should use it. Don't just bring these people there. I think that's great and good. But Tyree Nichols' parents and, oh, my goodness, and all of these people we've lost, Orlando Castile, so many, so many, George Floyd, we need action, executive action, and that could happen right now. Asa Lee, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Welcome to the show. Yes, thank you so much. And uh, I I tuned in uh, just a little late, and the gentleman was talking. I thought he said something about uh, Biden was lying. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, some things that Biden was saying was he was lying. Um, maybe, maybe not. Before you go, before you continue, I'm gonna, I want you to make your comment, but I want to get that clear. Keedren, uh, is that what you said? Uh, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> oh, okay. No, I misunderstood. I, I heard. I heard. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm, I, I heard the word lying, but it made me uh, think how I believe that uh, uh, what he was saying, they really did fact check it themselves, because I believe just about all of his speech was truthful. And we haven't had that all the time. And if you don't have truth, you don't have the foundation you need to build a a nation. And so I just wanted to point that out, that I believe that he was not intentionally, you know, trying to deceive uh, America. And I appreciate that. And I appreciate, you know, um, you know, your shows like yours, Santita, uh, uh, how you you bring truth to us. So I'm just concerned about truth 
and I appreciate, you know, what the president uh, did. I thought it was a wonderful speech, mm-hmm. and I hope he will do the things that you're saying with executive order. Ms. Asa Lee, what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to push him to do it. You know, that's what right, right. we are told, A. Philip Randolph and, and Roy Wilkins and all of these people who were bringing the concerns of potential black soldiers who said, I don't want to fight in the Second World War because I'm being treated. The what I'm fighting, what you want me to fight overseas is what I'm fighting right here. you got to be kidding me. And so that's why in the black community it was called the double V, the double V fight, you know, victory at home and victory, victory, victory abroad and victory at home. Uh, so, you know, as much as we like President Biden and I like him up close and personal in politics, I've had some profound differences with him because he did not support busing. Uh, he has supported police over people's rights. I've seen him do that in our lifetime, you know, too couple of weeks after Rodney King was beaten half to death, he went on the floor of the U.S. Senate and presented a police officer's bill of rights. Having all, having said all of that, I like him personally. You had a chance to know him over the past 40 odd years. I think he's a great guy. But in all of politics, and I put my brother in that, who's in Congress right now, you must push people because when you walk into those offices, they have the people who did not vote for them up in their offices, lobbying them, pushing them. And I think we just have to understand how politics works, Ms. Aisley, so we can know what we have to do and not feel, and not feel bad about it. You know what I mean? Right, right. I, yeah, I, I agree totally. But I was just uh, trying to point out that I did not think he was trying to deceive. I thought he was, mm-hmm. uh, that they had fact-checked what he was saying. Now, wh- wh- mm-hmm. how they go about doing it, you know, that's a different thing. I, I, I was just concerned mm-hmm. about, we we thinking that maybe he was lying. And no, I, you know, I mean, some people do. Like, for example, with ACA, the way it was initially written, if you did not sign up for the Affordable Care Act, there was a provision that would have you go to prison <laughs> if you did not sign up for it. That was like the, one of the first drafts of it. Um, some people have paid more for their health insurance because the health insurance industry drafted and really wrote ACA. Um, and I think we need to understand that. That doesn't mean that you throw the baby out with the bathwater, but, you know, was there a, lo- a little fudging done with that? Yes. But you know what? I'm a grown person. We're grown people. We can handle that. What we have to do is start reading the stuff ourselves. Don't you depend upon anyone to tell you what's in anything. You know, you don't do that with your husband, your partner, your children. You check up under that hood. I don't know. I don't know. I got to make sure that what you said was true. How about that? That's right. That's right. I'm just, you know, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I just uh, really thought he he did a a good speech, and I thought he was sincere, uh, you know, through through most of it. Um, You know, that was just my opinion of it, and I thought he was trying to help the whole country. You know, bring us together as a whole nation, not just some states that are geographically together, Mm -hmm. but the people. And so I thought that was uh, part of his speech. But, hey, you know, that's the way uh, the things are now. And uh, we should all, to me, be trying to 
come together as people, not just as geographical states, uh, you know, bound by where we are located, but as people whose hearts and minds and souls are, you know, uh, of what the American, uh, uh, well, what we are supposed to be as Americans uh, and to Mm -hmm. show the world. Um, So I I thought uh, that about his speech. And yeah, we need to, as citizens, we need to also participate more and be more concerned and help our um, our leaders because they can't do it all by themselves. Well, you know, the fact is, this. you know, Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman used to say, it works when you work it. She could teach all the principles of truth, but if you did not apply them, shame on you. This is not going to work for you. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And I think that we have to understand how the system of government, uh, Attorney Connolly, when we get on the other side, Keaton Franklin and Reverend Wilson, I think we have to help people to understand that unless you are an activist, unless you are active, unless you are organizing, Mr. Franklin, unless you are in the ear and in the faces of these legislators, Nothing's going to happen for you. Things don't just happen. That's why they have K Street in Washington, D.C. Lobbyists grow. Folks, big business understand that what they have to do is organize their people and be activists about getting what it is that they want and need. That's what they do. The people have to do the same thing. It's just that your your advocates are Rainbow Push, NAACP, National Action Network, Urban League, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and you need to take care of them so that they are not beholden to anyone but you. Think about that, everybody. Think about it. Let's talk about the State of the Union speech. What did you hear? What did you think of Republicans and their pushback? Uh, you know, you know. I have to tell you, Reverend Wilson, I'm such a fan of, uh, of the comments that I see um, the Q&A that I see in British Parliament, oh, my gosh, every Sunday night, I just, I love to watch it. But you don't want to see people be rude and unkind. So I want you to call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT on the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about the State of the Union speech and what you think the State of the Union is actually. Back in just a moment. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show on February 8th, Wednesday, 2023, the day after the State of the Union Address. I want to get your thoughts on the State of the Union Address. What did you think of it? What was in there? What was missing? What did you think of the behavior of some Republicans? The Speaker of the House had asked them to be respectful, and some of them well, we're not. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. But, you know, if you see the British Parliament's Q 
Q&A, and mind you, we're not a parliament, and, you know, we don't have their traditions, you know, they kind of, they kind of go at it. I wish we had a system that would strip away some of the patina um, of, um, hmm, you know, of agreement, not decorum, not, I don't want us to be rude. I don't want people to hurt one another and call people out of their names. You don't need to do that. When I was a child, when you call someone a liar, that was blaspheming them. That was like likened to a curse word. You never call someone a liar. You might say they were saying an untruth. So I don't know how we've gotten away from that. But that having been said, I want to know what your thoughts are about the State of the Union address. And more than that, more than the address, what's next? What's next in a divided Congress? How will the president be able to govern? Uh, he's going to have to, and he's going to have to govern with him. Otherwise, nothing will get done. And that might be a talking point for 2024, but it won't be a sweet one. Nobody will win that way, everybody. Call me at 773-763-9278. Let's get to some of these headlines in Chicago. It's going to be a nice day, 41 degrees, although mostly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 39 degrees, mostly sunny. In the NBA, congrats go to LeBron James. He is now the highest-scoring professional NBA player of all time, eclipsing the record of the great Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a record that stood for 40 years. Congratulations to you, LeBron James, 38,390 points. And to think that he might play for another two, three, four, five years, if not longer. Boy, oh, wow. Talk about untouchable. Well, you know, people are saying that he's the greatest of all time. What do you think about that? What do you think? I think everybody's great in their own era, but he is great now. You can't, his greatness, you cannot, you cannot deny. And just think of all of the greatness that we've been able to witness in our lifetime. In this moment, it's been a great, great moment in all of sports. And our hat goes off to LeBron James. His whole family were there, um, and they were able to do that in Los Angeles home team. Just fantastic. Some of the seats went for as much as $92,000. Thank you, TNT, for putting it on TV. Thank you. <laughs> In the NBA, the Grizzlies 104, the Bulls 89. The Nuggets 146, the Timberwolves 112. In the NHL, the Wild will be playing the Stars tonight. But last night, the Ducks are triumphant over Chicago, 3-2. to two. Everybody's talking about the State of the Union address, and we will be talking about that, too. It was the president's second State of the Union address. What did you think about that? He was trying to rally Republicans, saying that we have done some great things together before. We can do that again. What do you think about that? Call me at 773-763-9278. He called attention to veterans, to police reform, to infrastructure. Uh, even the Republicans who voted against infrastructure, those who don't want to vote for police reform, justice and policing. He said, join me as they were in the presence of Tyree Nichols' parents. We've got a lot to talk about. Some Republicans heckled him over spending cuts. Can't wait to hear your thoughts about this on Legal Q&A with C.K. Of course, C.K. Hoffler is with us, along with Dr. Bob Stark and Reverend Jeanette Wilson, Attorney Aaron Connolly, and Keedron Franklin out of Memphis, Tennessee, from Black Men Build. The death toll from the devastating earthquake in Syria and Turkey, more than 11,000 people and counting everybody. Thousands of buildings have been destroyed. People are trapped in the rubble. 100 aftershocks have struck the region. God bless the people of Syria and Turkey. The U.S. Navy released new photos of sailors recovering the suspected Chinese spy balloon that U.S. fighter just shot down over the Atlantic Ocean on Saturday. The Chinese say 
give us the debris back. It belongs to us. America says, I don't think so. What do you think about that? And how will uh, China-U.S. or Sino-U.S. relations, how will those be impacted? Let's talk about that another day. But think about it, everybody. Just think about it. Title 42, the Biden administration told the Supreme Court Tuesday that Title 42, the Trump-era public health authority that allows border officials to turn away migrants encountered at the U.S.-Mexico border, uh, that Title 42 will end in May when the COVID-19 public health emergency expires. It's interesting, though. I want you all to remember that the greatest number of visa overstays are not from South and Central America. The greatest number of visa overstays are not from India. They're not from Africa. They are from, oh, Canada, our neighbors to the north. Think about that. And those are just some of the headlines on the Santita Jackson Show. We've been talking about financial freedom on this show. Team Hochberg wants to deliver for you. They have a perks at work program and it is fantastic Can save you, make you thousands of dollars. Think about it. If you're selling your home or if you want to purchase a new home and would like to save a lot of money, thousands of dollars, you need to call Team Hochberg. They have this special program, this special program called perks at work. And they're offering everyone this benefit through the end of April. You need to go on and get on top of it. It can save you thousands of dollars when you buy or sell a home. Let me tell you how it works. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. That is thousands of dollars. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit. Thousands of dollars again, everybody. Team Hopper will credit their loan origination fee and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. Again, thousands of dollars. There's a couple that say close to $9,000 using this Perks at Work program when they sold their home and when they purchased a new one. So why don't you call them, everybody? Call them. Call them at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or go to 56david.com. And look on their website so they can so it can make some sense to you. I want you to call them at eight five 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 six David eight five 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 six David. You deserve a break today, and I don't mean at the big golden arches. I mean on purchasing a new home and on selling yours. Work with Team Hochberg. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Everybody, let's talk about the State of the Union address. Uh, President Biden said a lot of good things, um, and. Um, you know, and he was gracious. Uh, he congratulated the new Speaker of the House, congratulated this new Congress. There's so much, and he took incoming fire. But he has a lot of experience with this. It says something about him that he was so gracious about it all. But, you know, when you're in the big seat, got to know you're going to take the incoming fire. This is not a game for children, everybody. This is politics, and it's tough. C.K. Hoffler, we have got a lot to talk about today. We've been talking with Keegan Franklin. Of course, he's been on the show now. I told him now he's family. And what have we been talking about? We initially talked with him. He's a professional organizer out of Memphis, Tennessee. He's with Black Men Build. He's part of this small cadre of uh, organizers and activists who combed those tapes and found the Preston Hemphills and these other actors, uh, these other first responders and police officers who were involved in the, in the beating that ended up ending the life of Tyree Nichols 
but he's also a union organizer. So he had a there was a lot that he was looking for in this speech. Reverend Jeanette Wilson, of course, from Rainbow Bush, uh, prominent pastor. And of course, we have got attorney Erin Connolly, regular on this segment, a brilliant political organizer. In fact, she's going to give us some information, CK, because, you know, she and Congresswoman Daly Ramirez, who gave the Democratic response last night. We can't wait to get the background story on that. I'm so proud of Congresswoman Ramirez. And Dr. Bob Starks, preeminent political scientist. Um, of course, he's going to be holding class today at No Teacher's Pets, CK. No Teacher's Pets, because, you know, he doesn't answer questions. He asks them. <laughs> and I was, I said, Wait a minute, I'm kind of getting what he's doing. He'll say, hmm, let me ask everyone this. Do you know this fat toy? Do you understand this? But attorney CK Hoffler, legal analyst on Court TV, chair of Rainbow Push, past president of the National Bar Association, the largest and oldest black bar association. I can hear something in the background, everybody. The largest and oldest black bar association in the world, more than 65,000 lawyers. CK, take it away. You know, we've got to hear about Congresswoman Ramirez, and we, of course, have to hear uh, Dr. Stark to ask us these questions so we can all uh, take some notes. <laughs> but talk to me. What did you think about this? <laughs> Girl, look, I felt like I was back in, what is it, in Lock Hall at Howard University. I said, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, good morning, Satita, and to our magnificent panel and our audience. You know, I thought that President Biden did a pretty good job last night. Um, I don't have very high expectations of state of of state of union addresses because I feel that particularly the second one, the first one I have higher expectations, but the second one usually – takes place after the midterm elections. And given that that's the timing of it, the president is typically setting things up for his reelection. And so I think that President Biden, from the standpoint of addressing a broad-based set of issues, I think he did pretty well. His tone was, as you said, Santita, very gracious. Um, but underlying all of that graciousness and the appropriate tone lies really a very, very, very significant country in crisis. We are in crisis. And so the, the heckling that has become, and it wasn't as bad as you said as the British Parliament. The British Parliament, they almost come to blows. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost, there are shows about how the British Parliament operates. And we, are, we come from a British tradition, but we don't, we, our systems of government are so different that we don't need to evolve into that. There was quite a bit of disrespect, but we saw that during the Obama years, um, mm-hmm. during his State of the Union addresses. So we've become more accustomed to that. It doesn't make it right. In fact, I think it's wrong. But I do think the president touched on policing reform. You know, um, I'm, I'm tired of this refrain, quite frankly, um, seeing that there's so many Republicans who say openly, oh, yes, we agree. There needs to be policing reform. But yet when it comes down to the brass tacks and to negotiating real policing reform, um, we, we see that they come up, you know, very short of, of wanting real policing reform. It was very emotional, of course, to have Tyree Nichols' parents there. That was a very strong moment. And I think President Biden's comments surrounding the fact that many of the people in that room don't know what it's like to be black and brown and to have that talk. And it's not just a talk. It's daily talks with our children about the ills of, and about the dangers of going outside and being stopped by the police. 
So I think it was appropriate for him to say that. We knew he was going to say that. We knew they were going to be there. I expected that to happen. Did it move the needle in terms of Republicans? Absolutely, positively not. Did I expect it to move the needle? Absolutely, positively not. From a legal standpoint, um, all, all politics, they say, are local. All policing politics and reforms are now local. And so I'm delighted that we have um, someone from Memphis who combed those records and who made a difference along with a group of people, because what we saw in Memphis is reflection of how all politics are local, local, mm-hmm. all policing is local. And, and even if we had the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in place, I don't know that it would have changed the, the outcome of what those five officers and then some did to Mr. Nichols. But I'd be interested to hear what our expert out of Tennessee has to say about that, because that Scorpion unit was not going to be concerned at all about any federal, state, local laws. They were going to do what they wanted to do. They were going to act like barbarians, which is, in my impression, how they acted. Mm-hmm. And they were going to, um, they were determined to do exactly what they did, unfortunately. So, um, Santee, I'd like to this I mean, because CK, the, the police killed more people last year than they have since they've been measuring the killing of, of civilians by police. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. After George Floyd, everything y'all didn't get this? But hold on, let's hear from Kedron. And, um, and then, of course, we've got Ron who has called in because people want to weigh in on the State of the Union. And, of course, Dr. Bob Sarks and Attorney Connolly and uh, Reverend Jeanette Wilson but Kedron. Uh, the barrister has called you to the stand, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and, and she is preaching this morning. Yeah, she is telling the truth and nothing but the truth this morning. Yes. Uh, and I agree. Is why it, it, I agree, right? Uh, the, the the George Floyd Act <clears throat> and the part that particularly they want to add with Tyree Nichols. Uh, again, that would have stopped the Tyree Nichols, right? Uh, trying to figure out how to keep vulnerable people, right? Uh, people that have also been traumatized out of the hands of other vulnerable people who've been traumatized, who have been deputized to have access and reign on our streets. We, we have to figure out how to keep them apart until, you know, we're working on our behalf, what we're doing, our mental work and our social emotional wellness, and not judge they should be doing the same because they have more responsibility uh, moving through these streets, right? And so, uh, again, you're right. I, I would love to see um, uh, more reform around uh, until we can create, right, these uh, community, uh, like these community safety departments versus police departments, right? Something more around public safety and public health uh, versus uh, heavy-handed police. Uh, you know, I'd I, I, I love to not see police touching people so much. I uh, again, have had issues just around uh, me wanting to use or voice my First Amendment rights, right? Like I, I've had, t- you know, units like the Scorpion Unit, but they call a multi-agency gang unit and organized crime unit. Uh, watching, you know, the the movement, uh, and, and it's not just in Memphis; it's all over because I, I've I've been in D.C. speaking um, at the House, right, um, around how the feds send money locally to these municipalities to watch, you know, just random people like myself because they consider me a black identity extremist, right? So, again, 
uh, when they're not watching protests, what are they, what are they doing? You know, they have extra money just to have extra time to be on the clock just to mess with people for no reason. So again, figuring out how do we keep, you know, uh, a traffic stop, just a traffic stop. You know, if you have a criminal investigation, then you need to, you know, go by the, the, the protocols to induct a criminal investigation outside of pulling someone over for a, a, a busted taillight and then trying to take them down for uh, a marijuana stick, right? Mm. You know, CK, um, we got Dr. Bob Starks, of course. He is um, one of the preeminent po- political scientists. Um, in the world, of course, he's worked very closely with Reverend Jackson and Reverend Frank Watkins for, wow, about 50 years. But he's also a prominent and preeminent academician. Um, and before we get to Attorney Aaron Connolly and Reverend Jeanette Wilson um, and, and Ron, I promise you, Ron, our caller, we're going to get to you. I, I think it's important to hear CK from Dr. Starks because, you know, We've been talking about policing, right? You know, but we got this mayoral election. I mean, it's just, and, and you know, this, these are issues we're all dealing with the same issues, CK. No, no, absolutely. 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 So, Doctor, what do you have to say about all of this and the State of the Union address? Well, I, I thought this was one of the better speeches that I've ever heard from uh, President Biden. I thought he was. Uh, he was you know, low key. He didn't, you know, uh, he didn't exaggerate. I thought he was on point. I just wish he had spent more time talking about uh, voting rights. Uh, that he talked about it, but he didn't emphasize it enough. And of course, the most uh, important. Uh, Part of the whole speech to me was when he uh, introduced uh, uh, Tyree Nichols' parents. I thought that was quite a touching moment. Uh, so I think, however, uh, your your guests are absolutely correct. I don't think this is going to change the needle very much in terms of the Republicans. I think the Republicans are still uh, just absolutely you know, are going to stick by their uh, opposition to, uh, to you know, uh, any real serious reform in, in policing around this country. So I think we have to continue to fight for uh, voting rights and police reform. Uh, now, and I, I want to go to my question today, and that is the, the, from the young man from Memphis. Has this Tyree Nichols uh, affair, has it changed the mood of people, in, of black people in, in uh, Memphis, as well as the rest of Tennessee? <clears throat> Uh, I mean, I, I I like to I, I guess get you to be more finite with that question. The mood in which way, right? Because uh, the political move. I mean, uh, it's, oh, it's, well, it's, it's, you know, you know. So it's Tennessee, a Memphis, Memphis is the Memphis is the 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 only blue part of Tennessee, right? <clears throat> and even in and even in Memphis, and even in Memphis. Uh, we have what you have, you know. We have uh, it, it's a, it's a progressive plantation at a state, right? Um, mm-hmm. Where you always find 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes people are just, you know, because of how life drives us, right? You have so many people that have to they have to work two, three jobs just to be able to make ends meet, right? So they're political. They don't have a chance to participate in that political, you know, aspect. You know, they see how it impacts us. You know, they see how it affects us. But also, man, I, I can't go protest. I can't go stand in line. I have to be at work. I have to provide for my children, right? So there's this piece around, like, how we are driven into poverty and how they also extract us out of, like, this political process that we're way down trying to make things meet, right? So, uh, so, 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 you know, and, and I, I'm, I'm loving to see more younger people uh, be politicized and awaken. And so there are a younger generation, but, you know, the shift is not, it's not swinging. The pendulum's not swinging hard enough, right? Uh, but it's moving. I can see it moving. It's so we're progressing. Well, you know what? Stay right there. Stay, well, stay right there because, of course, I know uh, the professor has many more questions for all of us. Aaron <laughs> and, um, and you, Reverend Wilson, okay? That's why I was I had a session with him and Reverend Jackson and Bishop Grant and Dwight McKee yesterday. He was asking the questions and telling us which questions were going to work and that which would, and we said yes. And yes, sir. You're right. Uh-huh. Okay, thank you. <laughs> and there you go. Stay <laughs> off, everybody. Legal Q and A with CK, um, and of course, she's looking at that Justice and Policing Act. CK, these cities are paying millions upon millions to these families, and I mean, and there's legal issues around all of this, all of these issues, and and I can't wait for us to dig in and talk about that. Uh, back with more of. Legal Q&A with CK on the Santita Jackson Show. Of course, you can catch her on Court TV. Can't wait till we get to, up to the other side so she can tell us when this week. Stay right there. More of the This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, Q&A with CK on the Santita Jackson Show. We've got Dr. Bob Starks, who's questioning us, holding class. I'm taking, I told you, taking me back to Douglas Hall, the Lock Hall at Howard University. I'm like, well, you know, because when I was there, Dr. Mary Frances Berry was in the history department. So, I mean, just an, an embarrassment of riches um, at all of these HBCUs. But I digress, kind of, sort of. And then, of course, we've got uh, Attorney Erin Connolly and, of course, Attorney uh, Jeanette Wilson, we will be here, Reverend, Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire. We'll be hearing from you all. But, CK, um, uh, before we get, uh, uh, before we have to take out our pens and take notes and, and dig and dig into this Google real quick before we get a question from Dr. Starks, we have got Ron who wants to talk about the State of the Union and Sarah, Governor, excuse me, Sarah Huckabee. Uh, Ron, what's on your mind today? Oh, good morning. The, uh, I agree with everything the president said in the State of the Union address. We've done some work. We've got a lot more to do, to do. And Sarah Huckabee Sanders' rebuttal was not at all a rebuttal. It was just a lot of foolishness and lies. And she spent most of it talking about herself. Where's the rebuttal? Well, I think she's right. I think she's running for president 
I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. because that because get, getting that platform is really a precursor to that. Because she gave us her she gave us her autobiography, Mister Ron, which was mm-hmm. interesting. You know, I was I was okay with it because you know I'm throwing what it is. That's why I was excited to see um, Attorney C.K. Hoffler. And did you see the Democratic rebuttal from uh, Congresswoman Dalia Ramirez? She's the first. Latina elected to uh, the U.S. House of Representatives from the Midwest in the history of the Republic. Did you see her response? Yes. How did you, how did you, what did you think about what she said? I agree with everything she was saying. Mm. Okay, okay. So what, what is your takeaway from the State of the Union address? Well, okay, first of all, the... The president has shown himself, he's he's shown himself to be a much stronger person than the right wing radio has been saying that he is. Here's the thing. I listen to everybody. I learned a long time ago. If you want to hear the truth, listen to everybody that's talking. I listen to right wing radio. I listen to progressive radio. And I listen to the news here in Rockford. And the news here in Rockford is a joke. The media has failed the public. It's, it has become they they are, they just they don't report it properly. The, the TV news here in Rockford, if you don't have cable, which I don't, if you don't have cable, the antenna news is just okay. They have a half hour broadcast, and they talk about the weather three times. And it's not any kind of dramatic thing going on with the weather. So well, we're we're say, hey, here in Rockford, you know, you starved. Well, well you know, remember this is corporate media you're talking about, and that's why having independent media uh, that ranges from the progressives to even the right wing. I think having independent media that's not owned by the corporations. Uh, that's that's important because if you're owned by the corporations, you're going to tell their story. Or you're going to tell the story their way, you know, and so that's that's really important. But I'm I'm glad that you listened to it all, Mr. Ron, because that is that is the key. That is the key. Um, sending you much love. I gotta get to the rest of this panel, which you have been a part of for a few minutes, and you need to go on and grab the grab the audio on this one and tell all your friends about it. Yeah. <laughs> sending you much love. Thank you. Thank you so much, CK. Of course, you know Aaron, uh, Attorney Aaron Connolly, and um, is one of is one of uh, Congresswoman Ramirez's advisors. I mean, they have been working together when she when she had this improbable campaign, and when she went up against the machine and won, and and now she's in Congress. Um, CK, she gave a tremendous, tremendous. She did. Statement. She did. You know what she did, and, and you were reading my mind. I was going to call on Erin next. Um, we know she's a brilliant political strategist, lawyer, mother, healthcare specialist. And um, but I wanted to hear particularly Erin's response, Erin's comments, not just to the State of the Union address, but also to the rebuttal, and 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 her thoughts on the connection with the upcoming mayoral race in Chicago. Well, there's there's a lot going on. I just want to say a, a, a huge shout out to Congresswoman Delia Ramirez for her Working Families Party response to the Republican response. So I just want to make make clear for everybody listening who hasn't 
seen her her response that this was a rebuttal to Sarah Huckabee Sanders and her Republican response to Joe Biden, which which seemed like uh, rehearsed and, and reused talking points that weren't really a response at all. What we did hear from Congresswoman Ramirez, who I want to note is uh, 39. She represents a new generation in Congress and um, really has a working family experience. Um, in her life that many of you heard about last night, her her family's struggles with health care, the fact that um, her, her parents are both seniors that are um, are still working to, to make ends meet into what should be their retirement. Right. And what we heard from Congresswoman Ramirez is 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 really what we hear when we're at the doors with voters is um, a vision for the future in English and in Spanish. I want to note that her her response was given in full in Spanish as well, um, which is important when we're we're speaking to the the whole country. And I know um, little girls across the country don't often get to to see that in a primetime setting where uh, there is a young Latina uh, who is a congresswoman speaking about the issues that their family is worried about, about inflation, about health care, about safety and education, and that, yes, things are getting better. I think what Congresswoman Ramirez said was very true and really echoed what the president said. So anybody pushing back and saying this isn't helpful or, you know, we don't need a a rebuttal to their rebuttal, it really was a clarifying moment. And it, it brought down to earth for me that I think the president and progressives have an opportunity to really be on the same page here moving forward and acknowledge that we're making progress, but we aren't quite done yet. We got to finish it. And what Congresswoman Ramirez talked about, it related to housing security, economic security, job security, and making the lives of working Americans who are feeling the stress at the pump or the grocery store, making that easier for them just a little bit, doing those common sense things and not creating a, a, a system where, you know, Democrats aren't acknowledging the realities that everyday Americans face. And I, I think both the progressive wing of the party and the president and the administration are, are, are taking both of those things seriously and are really in a position to be able to build. What I saw from the president, and I think what we we heard from many progressives as well is, well, there's a frustration with new house leadership. We saw the president last night really hold his own and show the contrast in spirit and character and in the willingness to listen and get things done. And I think there were some Republicans, and you could kind of look at the audience and see who those folks might be who are willing to come back to the table and say, we got it. We do have to get some things done. And I came to Washington to make the lives of Americans better. And these folks did too. And I think we can do it together. So I, I was really hopeful. And, and just, just very quickly about the mayoral race, because I know, and Santita, I know you all are so engaged in covering that. And I just would like to hear, because I believe all politics are becoming so local and they always have been local, but what about the local connection? Um, based on the State of the Union remarks by the president? Well, we saw one of our mayoral uh, candidates in in uh, the Capitol, uh, in Congressman Chuy Garcia, uh, hearing the State of the Union address. And, you know, someone who's been an important uh, progressive ally in Congress and who's who's been a great leader for the Progressive Caucus uh, in general. 
So I, th- I think that that's one aspect. You know, he was not um, part of the mayoral uh, debate that happened last night. But the nation's issues are Chicago issues. And, and we heard a, a lot of them last night. But what I'm anxious to hear this Saturday and um, from the Rainbow Push Coalition Forum is, is how these candidates are going to take these national issues and make Chicago a leader, a, a bright blue spot in the middle of the Midwest where um, we are pushing more progressive policies, where we are taking advantage of the majorities that we have and really building a, a, a safer, more inclusive an equitable city that that can take things to the next level. We have an enormous opportunity in blue parts of the country to double down on the successes we've seen, to strengthen things like women's uh, reproductive rights, to strengthen our democracy outreach, to make sure our local elections are functioning in the best way possible, and being innovative in all different ways. So I, I look forward to this weekend to, to hear how the candidates are going to take what the president said and bring it back down to Chicago. Mm. Well, you know, Santina, we, um, Reverend Jeanette Wilson, wears so many hats based on her extraordinary contributions that she's made over decades and activism in law in the ministry. And Reverend Wilson, over the break, you were talking about whether the, you asked a question, posed a question about whether you felt that the, as a result of Tyree Nichols' um, murder, whether the faith-based community has been energized. And how do you tie all of that together with the State of the Union um, remarks? And what were your impressions from last night? Well, I think several things. Uh, Clergy, uh, we're called in a prophetic tradition, really. And if we are true to our calling, we are responsible to uh, begin to fight for and address the needs of the people if we're in the Jesus model. Jesus changed public policy at every level. When he healed the man at the pool, you know, and he said, get up and walk, people were getting healed. A whole bunch of people were able to get healed, but this one man could not. So we have to look at the least of these. And in the tradition of Jesus, when you listen to all that Biden was addressing, that really frames what the clergy should be fighting for, better health care. Uh, we have to fight for safety for every community. We have to fight for uh, voting rights for everyone so that everyone has equal opportunity, fight for women's rights. And so, you know, the list goes on. And I think that it was really a call to action for the faith community. We have the power to press every candidate they come to our churches, or at least they try to. They ask us for support. Then they must provide for the people at every level, whether in the federal government or the state government or the county or the city. And part of the challenge that all of these mayoral candidates, candidates have is, what are you going to do at the city, local level to, to change the police culture, to pol- change police violence? Because it's present in every major city suburb. And so how are you going to make education uh, available, a high quality public education available to every child? How are you going to make sure that our health care systems function in every community? And you don't have women driving uh, several miles while pregnant trying to find a maternity care center. And, you know, so the list goes on. And that our challenge is to be the lobbyists on behalf of the people. We are to lobby for them. 
for better health care, better education, better, better communities, more investment in the neighborhoods. That's our calling. And, you know, we, we, can, we can give better speeches than perhaps the president because we know how to close. <laughs> he did pretty good last night, however. <laughs> but, <laughs> because you always want to close leaving people with help, hope. This is where we're going. Okay, now you tell me how we're going to get there, sir. <laughs> well, all righty. <laughs> well, that was certainly something there, too. No, no, I would agree. You know, I think what everybody's echoing is that, Santita, President Biden did a very strong job last night. The question is, what are we going to do and how are we going to, as in our communities and our respective communities, given that I believe, you know, our politics are local and we don't have, Mm -hmm. and you know, President Biden has done, there are a lot of things that he has done. There are a lot of things he still needs to do. Um, And he he can do the executive orders and the like. He can go further, in my impression. But there are a lot of things that he's done and he underscored those things. But we are in crisis. We are in crisis, whether we have Chinese balloons flying over us or other things, mm-hmm. have, you know, the devastating immigration policies, the people being killed every single day at the hands of the police, um, women's reproductive rights, voting rights, voting suppression. All of these things are still at the forefront of what's happening and on the minds of people, not to mention how some people just can't even afford to get up in the morning and go to work because they don't have the money for transportation to get to work. I mean, there's some fundamental things that we don't need to forget about. And I think they're on the minds of people. And so while I, I, I thought again, did a nice job. He had the right temperament and all that kind of stuff. I, I don't have really high expectations. It's a political speech. He's setting the stage for his run for 2024. But some, I, you know, but, but and so we have to not lose sight of that. We have to not lose sight of the Republicans are setting the stage for their political run in 2024. So the right politics as usual. But underlying all of that in our communities, we have to see what we can do because. We can't always just rely on the federal government. Push the president to do everything he can do. But we have to take matters into our own hands in our local communities. And I think that's what is resonating. So when we look at what's happening in Memphis, for instance, mm-hmm. um, I think that is a, that's a message. We, we've seen different types of action from law enforcement, from leadership in law enforcement as a result of the murder of Mr. Nichols. That is an important step, and that underscores how all politics are local. We can rely on the federal government for some things. It would have been great if there were George Floyd Justice and Policing Act in place, but I don't think it would have changed what that Scorpion unit did that day in murdering that young man. But it would have made a difference in the George Floyd, in the Breonna Taylor, in the thousands of other cases if there had been federal, like a George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. So we still need to push for that. We need to still push for voting rights. We, need to, we just need to push for civil rights, human rights, basic rights. Mm-hmm. So none of that changes because of a great speech. And we have to remember that we're talking about politics. And, and so I think we, um, it's good to have a president, though, who I think he was much stronger than anyone believed he would be. When he talked about China, he was actually downright, you know, belligerent sort of, as belligerent as he can get. You know know what? But you know what, CK, I I think what we have to do, we have to roll this back a bit. Um, We have to, we have to, we have an obligation to teach people how the system works. Politics, there's nothing wrong with politics. And you were not implying that, and I did not infer that. 
it is the business of how things get done. And politics is nothing about, it's, it's just apportioning resources. And people who, you know, the, the squeaky wheel gets, you know, the, the loudest, you know, the, the squeakiest wheel gets, gets all the grease. Now, the fact is, when we have marched, when we have supported our organizations, our civil rights organizations, they are our lobbyists. When we get behind them, they are, a, they are empowered to do what it is that we need them to do. CK, we have got to understand how the system works and we have to work it. That's, that's all. These folks pushed Preston Hemphill out there. <laughs> that was not something that the police volunteered. No, no, no. These folks said, no, I, I, you, I see the tape and I see you. Who's that guy? Who chased, who chased him first? Oh, wait a minute. I see a watch. Oh, I see this. I see. That's what we got to do. You, we're the ones who have to register people to vote all the time. Thank God for Latasha Brown and for, you know, for the example of Reverend Jackson and Frank Watkins and you, Dr. Stark, down through the years, knowing that if we get in the process, whatever our disappointments, and they are many, but the promise is great as well. Dr. Stark, I got a couple of minutes for you. Okay. Well, I, I, I am encouraged by uh, Reverend uh Wilson's notion, because I am convinced that the only way we're going to get out of this, or at least make an impression on na- nationally, is we've got to go back to the coalition uh, that was built by Dr. King and Reverend Jackson, i.e., yep. the clergy, the legal community, youth, and most of all, and Santita, you and I have talked about this. this Women, if we put that coalition together, women, mm-hmm. clergy, legal, and youth, we can then move forward. We've got to activate that coalition and because we've got to make sure that our issues are put on the front burner because politically, on a national level, everybody's going to be concerned about the presidential election in in, in 24. So we've got to make sure our issue is included in everything and every uh, speech, whether it's pro or con, and that coalition has got to be put together. And of course, women have got to be out front. Women have to be out front, and we need we need men support. We need to do every we got. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, just because I'm out front doesn't mean we're not doing it together. Okay, right. I'm that girl. I know that it's. Well, I don't think women have gotten the the kind of recognition that they uh, deserve, in, in uh, traditionally uh, in the civil mm-hmm. rights movement, and and uh, because I don't think that we could have gotten to the point where we are now without the support of strong activist women going all the way back to pre-civil, free uh, uh, civil war, all the way up to the present. Uh, for instance, there's no way that uh, Reverend Warnock could have gotten elected senator in the state of Georgia had it not been for Stacey Abrams. Let's be real about it. True. Mm-hmm. Uh, that. Speak the truth. I forgot I'm not on mute. <laughs> no, go on. Go on. Oh, <laughs> she came. You right on the money. I mean, let's be real about it. You know. Okay. All right. Oh, that's the way you do it, CK. <laughs> I, I'm glad I didn't say you ain't never lied or something like that. So I'm sorry. 
Well, see, this is the Santita Jackson show. <laughs> Attorney C.K. and Reverend Wilson, how do we put this coalition back together and put it on the front burner? Well, you know what, very quickly, just to let you all know, I've got a minute and a half. So if we could do the round, round robin, with all due respect to you, Kedron Franklin, and you, Dr. Starks, we have got Attorney Connolly, we've got Reverend Wilson, and C.K., Take it away. Give everybody 20 seconds so we can get out of here. Right. After 20 <laughs> seconds, we need to go back to the basics in our community and or, communities and organize. Take the, the page out of the handbook of Reverend Jackson, build a coalition, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, and not lose sight of keeping our eye on the prize. Because they're going to be today, right now, as we speak, someone has just been killed at the hands of police. So mm-hmm. we need to remember that. Mm, well, Attorney Aaron Connolly, 20 seconds. Well, I want to encourage everyone who has not watched the Working Families response to the State of the Union, if there was something missing from the platform that, that you were hoping to hear about, I'm guessing that Congresswoman Delia Catalina Ramirez from Illinois' 3rd District spoke about it. You can check that out um, on uh, YouTube or uh, some of the other news stations today, particularly the Spanish language stations, will be covering um, the speech again in Spanish. And um, I want to make sure that that everyone knows that there is a, a group of progressives that are going to come back to Chicago and uh, be a part of many of these forums this weekend. So there's ways for you to take action on the issues that make sense to you not only in this upcoming election, but every single day. And Rainbow Push can help you out with that. Amen to that. Attorney, Reverend, well, Reverend Jeanette Wilson Esquire, who's always wearing the collar, to remind us that she is a woman of God. Just to remind myself, thank you so much, Santita. And I think all of us on this call can help us organize. We should be moving towards a major in-person summit at the PUSH convention this summer. But in between then and now, we're going to be convening a series of Zoom calls. Aaron can help. Santita, you know you're helping. And certainly C.K., Janice Mathis, who heads the National Council of Negro Women. We've got the clergy uh, that we are in relationship with, like Dr. Freddie Haynes and so many around around the nation. Um, Reverend Meeks has transferred power to uh, Charlie Dates. There's a whole body of young prophetic voices that we want to connect to. And so we can do a national call and a series of them to begin to energize at the state level, the city level, the county level, and then we're going to go to Washington. We have to take our demands to the state. The Republicans organized state by state this state's rights mm-hmm. agenda. We can go back states by state, state by state, and demand democracy. We can do it in the city council. So we got the power, and I have the faith that we can do it. Amen. We can actually create a democracy because remember that was not the original idea. But I don't care what the original idea was. The original idea was stealing people's land and having slavery. We've evolved. Everybody, let's keep on going. Let's keep on going. Oh, yeah, that's who we are with that, too. We're also free people. We're also people who are going to repair and restore the indigenous communities and African-American people and everybody who's been wronged. That's the only way God can bless us. I love you, everybody. Can't wait to be with you tomorrow on the San Chisa Jackson Show. God bless. God bless. Thank you. 